Mrs. Gray. Jennifer's here. We're gonna take the new truck for a spin. Well, bring her along. This concerns her, too. Wait a minute, Doc. What are you talking about? And what happens to us in the future? What, do we become assholes or something? Oh, no, 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 no. You, you and Jennifer both turn out fine. It's your kids, Marty. Something's gotta be done about your kids. I'd cut you a break and give you the honor of going with the best-looking guy in school. Yeah, well, I'm busy. Yeah, doing what? Washing my hair. Ah, oh, that's about as funny as a screen door on a battleship. Screen door on a submarine, you dork. Little girl, little girl, stop. Look, I need to bore you. Hoverboard? Hey, Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. And welcome back to the film broadcast where we're going, we do not need roads. That's it. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> 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 we do not need bro. It did, it did, didn't it? It did. It did. Just sidewalks. It's really <laughs> random, haven't they, lately? They have, they have. I, I mean, to be fair, I wish I started when we recorded because uh, cause obviously Paul had the best one talking about he's just going to grab his Pepsi free, and I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, you're blaming that one now. I've, I've not opened it yet. No? <laughs> no, it just started getting warm. So I get, uh, oh no, that, there's, there's nothing worse than a warm Pepsi or warm Coke. No, I'll get it in, I'll get it in, don't worry, I'll just... Yeah. Yeah. So, Back to the Future 2. I think this is one of the very rare sequels that we do, as I said last week. But And we've got Back to the Future 3 next week, which will be quite interesting. Yes. So, yeah, Back to the Future 2 in 1989, as we know, starring Michael J. Fox, um... Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson, Elizabeth Shue this time, uh, James Tolkien, yes. Strickland, and uh, Jeffrey Wiseman, which we'll talk about as George McFly. So, yeah. again, it's uh, Robert Zemeckis, and um, director written by uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. Uh, the budget for this film, strangely, is the same as the last one, and they hit the same figures as the last one as well, which is uh, quite surprising. So, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about because I know that everyone has been smashing this film on YouTube with regards to research and mm. watching it multiple times. So if people haven't seen this world or on this planet, 
Um, the plot is very easy. After visiting 2015, the Martin McFly must repeat the visit to 1955 to prevent disastrous changes to 1985 without interfering with his first trip. So that's the very, very basic plot line, really. Um, and quite padded out as well with a lot of this film, which we'll talk about. Sorry, oh. boys, that was my Pepsi free. <laughs> And, and, and number two, doesn't don't they have like um when he orders a Pepsi? It's a Pepsi Perfect, isn't it? I think that comes yeah. up. It was, it was a Pepsi Perfect. Was, drink. Yeah. was that ever a drink? A Pepsi Perfect? Um, I don't know, but I know on eBay you can buy the um, the props. You can buy the Pepsi Perfect boxes. You can buy the Pepsi Perfect, um, almost like the, the drinks canisters. They're not cans, are they? They're like transparent bottles. Yeah, um, yeah. You can buy them. But I'm not sure if it ever was actually. No, I don't remember Pepsi Perfect. I don't, I don't, no, I don't think so. Pepsi's always perfect. So, are, are, are you are you two Pepsi people rather than Coke people? Then very much so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've tried Coke. And Coke is nice, but Pepsi. Yeah, there's, there's that certain. Well, yeah, it's just like an extra spiciness to it. Coke's a bit bland for me, but um, hmm. yeah, Pepsi's already. No favourites, mm. guys. Anything. If someone's giving it to me, I'll take it. <laughs> it's free. Did you <laughs> yeah. know that? Did you know that Michael J. Fox did uh, the Pepsi commercials back in the eighties as well? So did if you go on YouTube, Pepsi Challenge. Uh, say again. Did you do the Pepsi Challenge at all? Could you pass the Pepsi Challenge? Do you oh, remember that? That I do. I I remember that, but I don't remember the intricacies of it. No. Well, they had different cups. In the, of, oh um, yeah. Cola. Other drinks are available, and you had to guess. Which one was Pepsi? And to see if you could pass the Pepsi challenge, it was I quite famous I could do it. At the time. I could do it, I'm sure. So? Yeah, I could do it. Yeah. But you, James, did you pass the Pepsi challenge if your life depended on it? If someone had a gun to your head? No. You'd be dead. It. No. No. If I put my on it, I could do it. No. Yeah. <laughs> the only challenge I could pass was do you remember Nim bought a 20p bottle of Coke? Um, the big ones, didn't he? The uh, uh, Tesco Savers one or something. It didn't taste very nice, if I remember. Yeah, teeth like a heroin addict by the end of the it podcast. Did, it did, didn't it? It was basically pure crystal meth almost, wasn't it, thinking that? <laughs> when he ended up looking like that, yeah. Um, but he did save himself 20 pence, so... It was it did, well, even more, yeah, it was like 19p, too far to go. I was like, yeah, let's give it a go. I mean, for 19p, you can't really go wrong when you're just paying 19p. Um, but there we go. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so as, as you said, Stu, but I mean, Back to the Future. Now, this ends right where the last one, this begins right where the last one ends, <clears throat> but mm. with a different actress. Yeah, I think it's overrated, to be honest. People going about Elizabeth Shue, um, was she better and that? But, I mean, to be honest, they never wanted her in this film anyway. They never wanted any of the females. They... Even Bob Gale says he wished he never finished the first film with her in the car because it, mean, it meant that she had to be part of the plot and she was driven by a part of the plot where they didn't really want that. So, I mean, I don't think it mattered. I, honestly, I don't know what your thoughts are, boys, but to me, she plays just... She's not even really in the film, to be honest. No. It's like... A, yeah, it, you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah, she needed to be in it for the fact, for the fact that she was... A, um, she was Martin McFly's girlfriend, but yeah, for me it wasn't. A, she played such a small part; it didn't really matter. Mm. No. Yeah, she played. I mean, I mean, the girlfriend arguably played a bigger role in the first film than this one. In terms of, I think surely it feels that way when you look at time actually on screen. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's quite funny because even during the film uh, where she passes out and they leave her in the alley, um, Doc even turns around to, to Marty and says, don't worry, she's not essential to our plan anyway. And it's mm. as if they said she's not essential to the plot of yeah. the film anyway. So don't yeah. worry about it. Um, You're superfluous. Yeah. So, and it's strange because people do go on about um, Elizabeth Shue and um, is it she played Jennifer Parker, wasn't she? Mm. But uh, and Claudia Wells was the other one. That's right. And, mm. and I, as I say, I just don't see why people talk about it and why it matters. As you say, if about both of them, I probably prefer. Um, Claudia Wells from the original one, and I, I wish she was in it for continuity's sake. Why wasn't she in it? Because her mum had cancer, I think. Oh, yeah, wow. her mum was really ill, so she had a yeah, she had to weigh up whether she'd stay in acting or look after her mum, and she looked after her mum quite rightly so. Um, yeah, so she she dipped out of the acting scene. Oh, okay, yeah, which, that's really that's sad. Yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting. Obviously, like everyone has, I've done a lot of kind of reading on the internet and. Uh, on YouTube, there are some really, really great um, documentaries about the making. Mm. And I don't know when it was said, but um, Zemeckis reckons that, um, and some critics reckon that this is probably one of the best sequels of all time. Really? I don't know. What, yeah. Do they say why that was? Or what they think it was? I don't know. I, don't, I honestly don't know why. They just <clears throat> read an interview um, and just how this film was uh, when it was kind of reviewed by different critics yeah. of, of what they thought about it. And they said, and I kind of thought, when you look at it, um, you've got the Temple of Doom, you've got Rocky 2, Superman 2, Godfather 2, Terminator 2, Empire Strikes Back. And I mean, going on my own personal, and when you look at The Dark Knight as well, there's some massive sequels. I mean, for me, if I had to look at a sequel, I'd say out of everything, I'd have to say The Dark Knight, for me, mm. is probably the best sequel to any trilogy or, or any kind of franchise. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts? So I've not, I've not seen The Dark Knight, but, <clears throat> I mean, for me, like, and you and I are the same age, uh, Stuart, so... Um, 21 we yeah. 21 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. wait, 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 wait a minute uh, just no. a clarification there both of you and we're talking about going and watch Back to the Future 1 at the cinema so let's just ruin this illusion we were born in 1974 Stuart right so um, look, looking at um, for me the I think the anticipation after Knowing that Back to the Future 2 was coming out and seeing the trailer for it and knowing it was it was set in the year 2015, like we we grew up in a in a time where, where there were books in the library, books at school, everyone was talking about the future, like flying cars and all you know, you know the, the the home being operated by robots. So for us, I think for for me at least anyway, looking to the future. Um, 2015 was a big thing because all these things were promised to us by the governments. We, you know, we were exploring space and that, and we thought, you know, it's, it's going to be a massive thing for us. And um, the anticipation of the back of Back to the Future one as well. Um, so when it came out, they really went, I think, steps ahead. Certainly with what was available with the special effects at the time, and there was no CGI. It was all, you know, all, everything was done. In, in, the, in the the most expensive way, but it was it was the best way they had available. So, I think, and also because 
it was set in it was set in uh, in um, America um, as opposed to being like it was science fiction, but it wasn't set you know like aliens or so you know it was set in in uh, in, in in the world um, that it was just what could be the future here as it was scientific it was science fiction but i know i'm babbling on but it was science fiction but it wasn't like in a different different world it was set here what what could potentially happen could this be real could we be using that in the future yeah 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 i I can i see what you mean um but with regards to sequels that were out would you say for you this is one of the best sequels that has been made that for you personally um, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, Indiana Jones was a big one, but um, yeah, for me, and, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I put it, I put it on the same par as um, Empire Strikes Back because that was a massive thing. Empire Strikes Back was a big one, so I'd yeah, probably Empire equal it to that. But I, I've got nothing else to really compare it with. What about yourself, James? Um, uh, the Gremlins and New Batch is the best sequel ever. <laughs> it is. It is. It's Home Alone two. Oh no, no! Oh my god! I do think I do think Gremlins two, the new batch, is actually underrated. But anyway, I digress. I digress. No, I think I think I think what this film has done is very similar to what the Avengers did um, in the. Oh, in in uh, in Endgame, they went back to the original film. The way it's done, I thought, is really was really really quite clever. Um, I know there's some argument. I think uh, I think Stu, I'm sure you're going to mention it, is the fact that it you can you can make a very strong argument that it's very similar, arguably too similar to the first film in terms of the beats of the drum and what happens and the, and the and the plot points, etc. Um, in some in in yeah. some regard, you, you can make a, yeah. there is a lot added out for. But I mean, looking at the film itself, back in the time when it was made, I mean, you had ILM again. This is another film. Ghostbusters as well use ILM, mm. so that just goes to to show how good they were. And also, um, this film alone, um, due to what they wanted to do and pushing the boundaries, they invented a Vistaglide motion control camera, which allowed them to have two characters on the screen at the same time. And this had never been done before. No. So back in the time. They were really, really pushing not only the technology on the screen of what they were making mm. up, but actually the ways of using it. And when you look at it, and you know um, just through watching different films and reading about it that they obviously used like a, a lamppost or a window to split the screen. But still, I think personally watching this film, the, a lot of the special effects, sometimes the animation, which actually do use the animation for the flying car, but the split screen, they do use the Vista Glide control, is so good when you've got both um, Michael J. Fox or you've got um, Griff and Biff on the same screen together. It looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and this is obviously compared to some of the special effects in, well, we always go back to it, like the Star Wars films or even like Jurassic Park. Some of them are quite questionable, but I personally think some of the special effects hold up today that, they're really, really good, and the hoverboards as well, and things like that. It's they've really yeah. pushed about. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying that. Interestingly, like a few years later, Terminator Two gets so much credit for changing changing cinema and the way certain things are filmed with CGI. And 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 from what you said, Stu, it's opened my eyes to. I wasn't even going to make this point because I didn't really realise it as much until you said it. Is 
then surely then this film doesn't, from a special effects point of view, really get the credit it deserves. No, especially the invention of the, the technology mm. that wanted it and they did it. And when you look on YouTube and you actually see this camera, the way it, it kind of films two things at once to allow um, two characters, it's so, so clever. I mean, you think, think this is back in 1989 and that they were pushing this kind of technology. As you said, I don't think it's the credit it deserves. No. But Bob Zemeckis, did, did he not? Um, he went to ILM and said, Look, this is what I want to achieve. This is what we need to do. We need a machine to do this. And they, oh, wow. they, actually invent, they invented the machine, they invented the, uh, the Vista Glide for that purpose. And there's a really good, when you see the, the scene, there's a, a video on YouTube of the, of the making of, of, there's many videos of the making of Back to the Future 2, but there's one in particular when they're in the, in the kitchen and you've got um, young Marty McFly going, fruit, fruit, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you've got um, the older Marty McFly um, with his two ties and, and the, the daughter as well. <clears throat> and you've got, you can see the table. Now, down the middle of the table is, is, a, is a line. And you often get them, like my, my dining room table's got a, a, a wooden line in the middle of it. But you can see where they've, they've got the many images aligned and the, 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 it's moving slightly with actually building up the image. You can oh, see wow. It moving and, and you can see how they're, build, they're putting it together. And um, it took several days to produce this and using the camera to, you know, the motion camera to move around and do all the, the takes and that. They actually glued down all the props. So everything, everything had to be glued down. They had security guards on, the, on that particular set um, every night um, so that nothing was moved. And I don't know if you if you sourced it. There was a there was a uh, apparently there was uh, an earthquake, wasn't there? And, yeah, uh, only only, a, only a, I think it was only a minor tremor, but luckily yeah. nothing was moved. So that was a, a massive problem. They'd have to start re have to refilm the whole thing because of the movement of the props. But um, you can see how they put it together using the using Vistaglide. It's fascinating that they that's you know back in the eighties they were doing that, and it was perp it was purposely made for this film because that's what the producers wanted to achieve so they built the kit for this film yeah it's quite oh, wow. incredible and another thing we were looking at also we were speaking about um jennifer and the new characters coming in obviously one that's missing is quite an important character is crispin glover and yeah i do you know was only doing this podcast um and doing the research and looking at it the way we do I never realised that Crispin Glover wasn't in it. It was only now that I actually realised. Um, and reading through, it, it always makes me laugh. When someone believes their own hype and they get shot down in flames quite embarrassingly with the shit they come out with. Um, hmm. And he was offered 125 grand, which in today's money is 260,000. Um, but Gail said that his demands were too excessive for an actor um, of his stature. And when Glover was uh, interviewed, that he said there was a, a philosophical disagreement with regards to the film's message. And what? That, um, <laughs> he said he didn't think it was right that um, the characters were rewarded with financial gain, such as Marty's truck, rather than love. And that's why he chose not to do it. I mean, really? it's absolutely comical. It's Is that so why he did number one for money? Well, yeah, exactly. He got paid in love. He didn't get paid any money. They got paid in hugs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, it always makes me laugh when they someone just builds himself up, you get shot down, and then that's it. But yeah, pain and so, love. 
Well, yeah, we all like that. But the film, <laughs> so getting on with the film, um, I mean, as you say, Jay, that it carries on straight from number one, uh, only the change of character, uh, where it's left that they're going to go to the lake. He's got his lovely truck that he saw at the start of number one driving around the square. And the dock turns up. And um, you wonder what's going to happen. And this time, the reason why it has to go back is because of their kids. And it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's weird because it's built up to be something quite important, but it's quite misguided, really, isn't it? Because it turns out really that this problem's solved pretty quick, and it's nothing to do with the kids. Yeah. So it's, it sounds quite exciting as you, what's going to happen. Um, and I wonder how much of this was actually written just because of Elizabeth Shue, that I had to say it's because of the kids, just to give her something to do in the first 30 minutes. Just strange. Mm. But they learned that, that they can fly, obviously, and it's, uh, it's not powered by plutonium this time. It's just powered by, I was going to say human waste, but it's not exactly human waste. <laughs> it sounds like they pitch one out in the back of it, but... <laughs> um, I, what is it? It's by rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, but you There's must some... pour the beer can out first before you put the beer can. This is true. Into the misfusion. Yeah, that made me. We spoke about that last one, didn't? Last time, didn't we? Um, legend has it, Stu. Legend has it. Um, he once put a copy of the Sweeney in there, and it powered it for five five goes because it was so, <laughs> so it was so terrible. <laughs> So, so, sorry, Paul, the screen is renowned for being one of the worst films, I think. I've, we've not, all I've of... not seen it. Don't, don't, oh, don't. No, no. Street Fighter, stay away from right. both of them. So, yeah, but see, see, Street Fighter, I'll make an argument for it. It's mm. so bad, it's good. Yeah, with the Sweeney, I can't even make the argument for that. It's, is I, there I, ever a case so bad it's good? Well, yeah, because it's funny, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you're just like... AIDS. Just, AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, what's wrong with you <laughs> AIDS is so bad it's good oh, I don't, well no exactly um, <laughs> prove a point that was all oh. <laughs> um, I, I don't really know what to say to that sorry um, <laughs> jump in a DeLorean and they go to 2015 and when you're obviously in 2020 it seems quite funny and it Obviously, it makes me feel old that the highlight of this film was to go to 2015 to wonder what it's like. But it's strange because, and you pointed this out, Paul, because famously the quote is where we're going, we don't need roads, and they can fly in the DeLorean. Yeah. And when they arrive in 2015 and they're, they're flying through the sky on like sky roads and yeah. they're driving on the, like, the right side of the road, and you kind of wonder why they're doing that because. They can fly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but they're, they're actually when you when you during the film, you the, the police officers, the police women uh, return um, Elizabeth Shue to um, the home address. Um, they're actually following the path of the road network in the estate. You're thinking, well, you're, you've got a freaking <laughs> yeah. it's a flying car. You don't need to follow the road network. You know, just you know, point A to B, it'd be a lot less on fuel. It's a bit strange, and he knocks Elizabeth Shue out. Uh, makes her unconscious and says, "Don't worry, she's not central to the film." Because yeah, that was with um, a sleep-inducing alpha rhythm generator, apparently. It was a rohypnol. <laughs> rohypnol, yeah. Oh yeah, the electric <laughs> version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's the same. <laughs> but 
So they, they park down an alley. Um, or before they go away, obviously, which is quite an important part of the film, Biff, the original Biff, um, sees them fly away. And he says, wow, mm. flying DeLorean, and, which comes back into play later on in the film. Um, so they land, they park down an alley, uh, and then they leave Elizabeth Shue in the alley. And they've got all the new tech, the new clothes for uh, 2015, which I've got to personally, apart from the trainers, oh, I've got to be oh. honest, thank God, none of the other fashion was actually accurate and cool. I like, I, see, I like the jacket. Mm. I like the jacket. I'd wear that. You could buy that on eBay, James. Do you know that? Really? Yeah. 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 There you go. Buy it. Mate, mate. Um, If I was 20 years old and I had that jacket, the ladies would not leave me alone, would they? (laughs) I'd buy one now. You'd buy one now? Nicole might. I'll put a picture out on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think you look really good, mate, honestly. Regardless of how much it is, buy it and I'll give you the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, never at the end of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a self-drying jacket. You got, you know, you got to wonder what other powers it has. Your jacket so. is now dry. Yeah, I, I did yeah, like. Yeah. I did like that robot voice. I mean, I mean, how, they, how to do that though? When he, how do you know how to dry it? Because it's wet. It obviously has a wet yeah. sensor on there, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. How did he know that? Because it's wet. The zip button, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, no, he, no, he, so. he pre- he, no um. No, that was um, when the doc pressed the button to make it fit. Did he? I thought he initially, yeah. Yeah, because the, the sleeves no. were too long. The sleeves were too long, weren't they? Yeah, the sleeves are too long, and the pockets were out. God knows why you design pockets to be really out and then need, need them to be moved back in again. But um, no, it was only when the doc pressed that to make it fit him. When he oh. was, when he got it when he got it wet, it was like he, he stood outside the uh, uh, off the back of the the, the, the central pond. And it just did it itself. And it dried it itself. Okay. So, yeah. I'll have to look to, to check that. But yeah, yeah. so he's, uh, he's got the latest fashions. And the idea is basically, it's a very, very simple one. And again, a lot of the ideas in this film are simple, which is why they're so good. Is that he's told to go to the cafe and he's going to meet Griff. Um, yeah. Whatever Griff proposes for him to do, just say no. That's all you need to do. Say no. <laughs> So, just say no, Zamo. Just no. say no, <laughs> which is a message everyone knows. So he does that, um, and he looks also as he's walking around. Um, he looks around the town like he does in the very first one, and a lot of these things are very much trademark, aren't they? With regards yeah. to, don't worry, everything's all right. You're back home in good in good old 1955, and. You're, you're here on the 27th floor and things like that. So, And again, he walks around. Um, the Stumbles around, I think it's the word, isn't it? Stumbles around. Oh, stumbles mm. around. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's really, really good, some of the things they've done. They've got the uh, the future cars. I've got to feel that bit at the Texaco station. And you've got Jaws 19. I think Jaws 19 is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I don't know why this was done. Obviously, Spielberg's on board, but... yeah. Yeah, but he said he said the shark still looks fake. That upset me that, 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 yeah, when he, he says that because I think the shark in the first one looked real. I'm just saying. Yeah, but that was <laughs> yeah. the piss take of it, though, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was a nod to Spielberg, wasn't it? But it was good. And and, and back in in '89, when you saw that at the cinema, that that uh, hologram coming out of the of the of the um, thing in the street, that was amazing. Like oh, now yeah. it's like you know it's, it's pennies now, isn't it? To do that, but. 
back in 89, you saw that on TV, on the film, you thought, oh, that's fucking great. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there have been many articles. There's a lot of things, though, that they got right, um, Back to the Future, when you look at it, when the prediction, I mean, I mean, the, the Jaws thing depicting 3D films in 2015, yep. when 3D was all the rage, wasn't it? When you look at Avatar mm-hmm. a few years before that. Um, they got, obviously, uh, FaceTime, screen time, speaking to people face-to-face, they got right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think what other things they got right. I've got a list here, James. Oh, do it, do it, mate, do it. <laughs> so I've got a couple they got right. Um, yeah. They've got voice activated stuff. Oh yeah. So you know, lights on, lights on. Yeah, like Google Home uh, and stuff. Yeah. Fingerprint readers. You know, going to the home, you've got a fingerprint reader. We use fingerprint readers all the time on mobile phones, though, don't we? We do. Yeah. Um, I can't think what else they got right. Um, flying cars wasn't one of them. Hoverboards they didn't get right, unfortunately. No. Um, and I remember seeing uh, at the time, uh, again, back in 89, there was a, a documentary came on TV where I think Bob Gale um, said that uh, hoverboards have been around for ages, but the parents, parent groups had um, suppressed them because they were worried too much about yeah. the kids. I, 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 I believed them up until about five years ago. I believed them. At the I know. Time. I was like, Mum, buy me a hoverboard. <laughs> but no, um, <clears throat> all I had was a skateboard. Um, Self dry clothing. Um, I don't think that exists, but I know you can get material that just like sheds water. Um, mm. What else? Uh, uh, what they didn't get right around faxes, they so he received the fax later on in the film, didn't he? Saying you're yeah. fired. Who uses faxes now? We don't use them no. now. No, we don't. That was a um, weird choice. I mean, even it, it, yeah, it, out the, the you're fired fax yeah. and justify that, didn't they? But in the, in the back in the day, I mean, in the absence of mobile phone technology where you'd have messaging, then that was probably all they really knew because there wasn't even mobile phones really as such for them, was there? Um, oh, no. And we had um, there was a flying dog uh, walker and the ortho lev, which is what um, his dad was on when he came into the house. Remember that on the ortho lev? Oh yes. Oh, the one who went down, yeah. Yeah, the Crispin Glover alternative. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, but but that's the whole point. They turned him upside down, so it, you could see that it was his dad, but he didn't. You thought it was the same guy, but it wasn't. That was part of the reason, apparently. Oh, okay, that's um, quite clever. But yeah, so that, that, you know, that, that, I think I think um, Zemeckis said that um, Mr. Zemeckis, I say, um, said uh, they had about fifty-fifty right on the film. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not not, not bad, really, is it? Not bad. Um, and if, you know, um, would those stuff have been invented that quickly? The fingerprint stuff had it not been. I mean, I know a lot of things like the flip phone and stuff. Star Trek made popular years and years ago, and they mm. kind of copied that. So, but you know, um, another reason why it's a really good sequel, isn't it, Stu? Yeah. So they go to the uh, as he walks around. I'm not gonna, just going to ignore you. He sees um, the almanac in the shop, and also in that shop. They've got his denim jacket from the very first film. They've got the video camera from the first film. Uh, they've got a copy of Jaws as well. They've got some <clears> good <throat> things. When you, if you pause it and uh, look in that window of the shop, they've really, really got some great little Easter eggs in there and some uh, hints to the next one as well. They had his, so, de- they had his um, denim jacket in there? Yeah, they had his denim jacket in there from the first one. Ah, I don't know. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I've seen the cat. I saw the camera, but and they had uh, yeah. Roger Rabbit, which is what was it? Zemeckis or no? Zemeckis, wasn't it? The work was it Zemeckis, Gale? Yeah. Zemeckis, no, yeah. yeah. They had Roger Rabbit on there as well. Yeah. So they go to the eighties calf, where again 
got hit with loads of old things, um, like the Max Headroom features with Michael Jackson and Ronald Reagan. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really, really good touch as well. And when you look at the screen, there was quite a few things that you noticed on the multiple screen, Paul, wasn't there? I did, yeah. So they had, I made a list of these actually, what they had on there. Um, so it wasn't until I watched, I watched the entire film, then I watched the credits to see if there was anything off the back of the, back of the credits that I could sort of pick up on and, and look into further. And it said, um, it had like these different clips from the movie that were used. And I thought, I don't remember seeing the Smurfs in there. And it was the Smurfs and there was the Wheel of Fortune. I was like, oh, where the hell is that? I thought originally it was going back to when um, he's in the den and he's got that big projector that he's adjusting. And then um, I, thought, I went to that, looked at that, it wasn't there. And then I went back to Cafe 80s where that wall of uh, TV uh, screens were um, behind, the, behind the bar. And there was the Smurfs, there were Cheers, Taxi, Oprah Winfrey Show, um, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Wheel of Fortune, Miami Vice, Magnum, Fistful of Dollars, which is then referenced later on in Back to the Future 3. But important, more, more importantly was there was a scene from Family Ties. Oh, which, wow. Which Michael J. Fox was, was filming at the time. And, and this is the bottom left screen. You need to watch it in HD. And I paused it, and you've got uh, Michael Gross, who was his dad, who played, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Keaton. Um, I can't come back to me. Um, but you had his mum as well. So you had, you had um, uh, Michael Gross and... Um, Meredith Baxter Burney, who were the parents in Family Ties, and it was them and I think Mallory or Jennifer, one of them, was sort of sitting at the kitchen table. So I didn't, I've, I've seen this many times, but never noticed it until recently. Um, but yeah, so there's a, the nod to back Family Ties in there as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, never, I would have never got that amongst the Sundays. No, I've never seen that. But um, so when they're in the cafe, it's again, he's got Marty Jr. in there, hasn't he? Who's his son? Yes, and Elijah Wood. Mm. Yeah, and Elijah Wood. Yeah, I only noticed that when I watched it the other day. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, so he's sitting there and they've kind of flipped it this time where poor George was the loser. You've got Marty Jr., who's the loser, and uh, Biff walks in. And you've got older Biff, first of all, um, who walks in and he smacks him on the head with his cane, which oh, yeah. comes into play on during the film and then you've got Griff that comes in uh, and asks him to actually be involved in the, like the plot which which is why they're back um, to rob the bank isn't it which is over the road um, and again he's when someone says to him are you yellow or are you chicken that's when he reacts and that's played out in the second one and the first one uh, well actually all three of them isn't and it and the third another, yeah yeah, as well. yeah it is uh, definitely and that leads, again, to one of the classic scenes on there. From when he has a, kind of a bit of a fight with Griff, he gets a hoverboard this time. And what do you think, with regards to the hoverboard chase, um, compared to the skateboard chase in the first one, which chase do you think is the best one out of the two? Uh, me, probably the first, the first one. But this one has a hoverboard in. I'm just saying, but yeah, uh, I probably would think the first one is better. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't know about you, Paul. Having said that, Stu, because because it's you, I think the second one's better. Just <laughs> just, just for this, just for this show. Uh, what about yourself? 
Or what do you think? I think I think the second only in that he's on an unknown quantity, isn't he? So he's he's jumped on this thing that he's got no idea. He's got a rough idea how to use it because he's got balance and skill. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a new piece of kit to him, and it all goes wrong for him when he hits the water. Yeah, see, I think the first one is has got a lot more action in it, um, just because it, it's a lot quicker. The hoverboard um, scene is is brilliant. It's a really original idea. Don't get me wrong; it, it's great, but it's quite slow in comparison. And I think, and I don't know whether it's watching these um, so close to each other. I mean, uh, yesterday I watched <coughs> the third one back to back. Which I enjoyed because I haven't seen the third one for a while, and you can see like the little Easter eggs that they they hint at. Mm-hmm. But I think it suffered where the first one was so good and it was so quick, and a lot more happens um, on the skateboard. Whereas the second one, it felt a bit of a even though it was great and original, it felt a bit of repetition for me. It is, it is. I get, I get, I get the repetition. But I think because the focus on is on the hoverboard, I didn't really. Unless I'm, unless I like this time, I purposely look for the repetition. When I'm just watching it to in, to enjoy it, I don't notice it at all, um, because of because of that aspect of the hoverboard, um, and obviously the way it ends, which is slightly different. Like I know, I guess you, if you're looking at it from a critical eye, yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see in relation to both events, um, how far in both of those things are compared to both films mm. you know um i'd imagine mm. it's not too dissimilar within about 10 minutes i could be i could be completely wrong but they feel they feel in well you know kind of like they're put in a similar similar place to both films yeah and they do keep the timings and timings is quite important in this film because um when they do the when they carry make the third film uh and obviously they reenact the last scene um and when they do that it's sec it's perfect to the second from when um for the second film to the first uh third film to when they reenact it again and when they kind of like synchronize the times it, it is pretty perfect and i think that's something that zemeckis was pretty aware of um being a film about traveling through time okay but i just found uh this one a bit slow but as i say it's still good and it Obviously, it ends um, the concern that Doc has because he's chased by a Griff and all the gang and everything. And while he's doing that, you've got the older Biff who's watching, who's kind of scratching mm. his head, saying, "There's something really familiar about this." Yeah. Mm. Um, thinking about the first one, and Griff goes through the window of the town hall, um, and everyone gets arrested. And because it's the future, everything is instantaneous. Like the news is instantaneous. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I like that. And where it flashed up that um, Griff and uh, Marty Jr. and the rest of the gang have been arrested. And then, obviously, the daughter uh, or his sister goes and rescues him, a failed attempt, and she gets arrested as well. Um, that's all scrubbed off because they were no part of it. And it's, mm. I, I think that's a really, really good idea. And it really, really works for me. But I wished they would have, where it went from here for the next... 20 minutes I wish it never went there because I couldn't really see the point because from there um, he gets the almanac and Doc like he does a lot of times quotes that you can't change the future you can't alter it um, because it has consequences 
So he throws the old, he doesn't really throw, he places the almanac nice and tidy in the top of a bin. Um, and Griff, uh, Griff gets it. No, Biff gets it. God, there's so many. And that's what causes the problems and changes the future 1985 from the original one they left, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, and the police, two very attractive police women, go and take um, Elizabeth Shue away. And because, obviously, she's down as living with a nice facelift, living um, <clears throat> in Hill Valley. That, uh, I think it's Hill Valley, the estate they're living in, isn't it? Or is it something else? I think, no, I think it, was, it was Hill Valley, wasn't it? Um, that, so they take her back to the future 2015 address. And this bit, for me, I, I didn't like any of this, to be honest. I found this really padded out and pointless. I don't know what your thoughts are. What when she went back to what when um just she's the back whole the future home then... house with right okay getting fired. That... I mean, I know it does play into number three heavily, and it is a lot of foreshadowing for number three, which I didn't realise. It, it does, but then the producers had a vision, and I don't know. Maybe is it not showcasing what they can do with the effects? Um, because they are messing they mess around with the future in the past, so. Yeah, at some point they need. I suppose they needed to get Michael J. Fox to be several different people. They've already introduced the fact that he's got a son and a daughter, so they needed to be there at some point. And then to get them in the same house, maybe it was just a way of showcasing what they could. Because oh, the only thing really that plays into this is obviously they're struggling for money. Um, mm. Michael J. Fox hurt his hands in a, a car crash where he hit a Rolls Royce, so he can't carry on his music career. He gets fired. Um, Needle sets him up. Um, and the only way this plays into like, the, the foreshadow into anything else is that at the end of number three, when he's in his truck, when he's um, mm. with Jennifer, Needle's his next to another truck, and he says, come on, let's race at the lights. Come on, let's go for it. What are you, chicken? And he yeah. races off. And he would have crashed into a white Rolls Royce which obviously plays into the fact that he hit a car and got sued yeah. and got injured. So, and he reversed it instead, didn't he? But He reversed this, it instead. This, this bit with needles that um, he's saying, oh, come on, we'll play you chicken, you know, put your card yeah. in the slot. <clears throat> For me, that, that writing was a bit lazy because you didn't actually know what the purpose of the thing was. Yes. You didn't know what the scam was, did you? It was just, it was a means to get you somewhere in the story, but it was lazy writing because you didn't know what he was trying to achieve. No, exactly, and that's what I had problems with. That I know they, as you say, Paul, that they're probably they could have fun and showcase. This is what future homes are like, and like the pizza. Um, oh, that's brilliant! Yeah, it's kind of like wow. And for kids, when I was watching it, that you think, man, it'd be so good if you can have a pizza that nice within seconds. But when we kind of watch it, where through the like the the film reel eye. You look at it and think, and none of this is playing out. It could have been a conversation um, that's had, that Doc even has, or even a newspaper article that comes up that he's had a, a crash with a Rolls Royce mm. and that his music career. That for me, all of this um, was just pointless, really. I, I mean, I know you like yeah. the film, Jay, but what's, what's your thought, Jay, on this? I, I completely disagree with you. Um, I, the reason why I like this idea, because I think going into the film, I think, despite what Doc said, that you shouldn't meet your other self, we wanted to see the future Marty, the fu you know, his future wife. 
Um, and uh, obviously the mum and dad as well. And I think that's something that the audience wanted to see. And to deny them that, I think, would have been in the future, for me, a bad thing. Because I think that that was almost the expectation, for me, the expectation, even when I was young, going in, really looking forward to that. And it was almost a means to an end. I get, I completely get the Paul's lazy writing when obviously he's fired and the fact that there's, there's you could argue there's a better way to, to suggest about the accident in the car. Um, because of the chicken thing, but I think to take, but to take away us seeing at least the future, the future, the future, Mister and Missus McFly, I, I, I think that, that that's taking something away that the audience probably would have wanted. See, I don't know. I mean, you, but you, there's no payoff for seeing them, is there? That you do see them, and yeah, there is. And I don't want to see. The payoff um, is the payoff is you see Marty. I mean, there's, there's a scene when he can't play his guitar, and you see he's he's kind of pathetic, like his father was in the first one. So, yeah. where his father's made it, he's kind of regressed almost back to where um, you know George McFly was in the first one before he went back in time. And you kind of think, well, if he's going to go down that path, it's a really bad thing. And what starts it off is. Obviously, the car crash, which then brings it into you know, which then brings it into number three. Um, I'm not, you know, I do like this film, and I completely get to you. I completely get where you're coming from, and you know, we, we can make a you can you made make a good argument. I can't I can't really go against that argument that much, but that's the only thing I can say: the fact that we see the future McFly family, and we see the kind of pathetic person he becomes. And it's a result of that car crash, and almost the butterfly effect, you know, that car crash and the ripples that that then causes. Oh yeah, I completely agree with that. And the payoff, number th- the payoff is all about number three. Yes, and and I saw that for the first time when I watched number two and number three back to back. But mm. I would have personally liked it to be done a different way. Oh yeah, um, rather than seeing Michael J. Fox like the sister dressed up. It's a, I don't want to see that. It's there's there's nothing. It doesn't add to the story. I, I'd rather see more about the, the time travel or more about the DeLorean, <clears throat> more about what 2015 is going to be like when yeah. in the town and Doc exploring, maybe Doc having a bit more of a character arc. I know we do get that in three, but it was just... Uh, I think bit... maybe, with the, maybe with the sister, it was a bit more like... More like uh, because it is like it, partly comical as well, isn't it? So maybe yeah. it was just sort of the comical side of it showing his sister as well. Sorry, yeah. His, uh, yeah, his, his daughter. Sorry. Yeah, and another thing we get, which we've kind of we've spoken about, and I read about tonight, is that when they're obviously Biff, old Biff, takes the DeLorean. Um, there's a few questions out, which, which one good one, which Paul um, mentioned, that uh, when he comes back, that he's obviously in quite a state. It looks like he's in a lot of pain. And that's because they were saying, and I didn't realise this, that, um, and Paul spoke about it the other day, is that he's going through the, uh, the same effect that Marty does when he plays a guitar. And they actually did film in Vanishing, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, but they, they chose not to include um, old Biff vanishing from time. Oh. Which, which I think would have been good. But <clears throat> and your point, Paul, is how did he know how, A, how to fly yeah. it, how fast it went, and the fuel needed... To travel back and forth in time, which was yeah. a really good point. He wouldn't have had a clue of any of that, would he? No. So he he, he stole the DeLorean. He had the almanac. 
and he knew it was a time machine he was getting into, but there was no operation manual how to use it. So how would he have known, one, how to fuel it uh, with Mr. Fusion, unless Mr. Fusion was a big thing back, well, I suppose it was back in 2015, four years ago, five years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but also, how would he have known that in order to fly back to fly back in time or forward in time, you need to first set the, the, the time circuits to where you need to be, and then secondly, it needs to go to 80 miles per hour. So there's, a, there's an issue there. But then you go back to, like Stuart just said as well, he returns with the time machine. And um, he, so there's a, when you see him, this is what raised my, um, sort of like, what I was worrying about or thinking about. So you see him get out, this is the normal film. So you see him get out of the DeLorean and he, he breaks the top of his cane off, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, he looks in pain and he sort of like stumbles away in pain and starts like, oh moaning and stuff you think there's no nothing is is spelt out then after after that scene as to why he's in pain or why he's suffering that's that's left alone so you've got no idea what's happened to him or what you know what's happening what's going to happen to him but um and i went all through the all the different um youtube videos as to the making of it and that and i couldn't find anything and then i reverted back to a sealed copy of back to the future 2 that i had at home <laughs> <laughs> right, I had the trilogy sealed, right? Um, I've got one working copy and a sealed copy, right? So I opened it up and went on to the deleted scenes. And the deleted scene was that after he got out the DeLorean, he then retreated to the back of um, a parked car and he, he was in pain again. And he, 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 he laid down and he just disappeared like Marty McFly was doing on the stage with his arm went. But again, there's no reference as to hmm. what there, there. There must have been some kind of subplot or some story within the film that they were aiming to use that for. But it never, it never sort of came to light. So it's an unanswered question in my mind. Yeah, maybe the same person who edited that edited Ghostbusters too. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, there is quite. I mean, even in the future thing, as you mentioned, tell you some, some a tiny bit. There is a foreshadowing. I mean, you've got, um, obviously, in the cafe, before you finish the future pit, uh, you've got Marty being really good at the gun the gun machine. Yeah. And you've also got, I think, I'm going to read it, Doc Brown, I think in the future, doesn't he have a... Um, what he's wearing is like a shirt with um, a... Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. It's um, It's got trains on, hasn't it? Yeah, is it, it really? Yeah, think so, yeah. Kind of yeah. Yeah, which obviously yeah. is a nod to the third one, isn't it? And what happens in the yes. third one? Yeah, here yeah, anyway. So, but there we go. But yeah, you're right. Um, with, 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 and then obviously, uh, Jennifer sees Jennifer, and they both scream. And then well, one says, "I'm old." The other one says, "I'm young," don't they? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, I'm old. I'm young. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, then, and then they fall over, and then Doc's there just in time, and they're going to go back to the old 1980. Uh, you know, mid nineteen eighties. Yeah. Um, However. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, what I thought was interesting was I think the first time I watched it. I don't know about you guys. When they went back there, it all looked completely normal, obviously, until until Marty ended up jumping over the fence, you know, and getting chased out of his house. I genuinely thought he's got the wrong house, but I I never thought that the future or the past had been changed at that point. Well, he he said I don't remember bars being on his windows. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Mm. And wasn't that his house? 
It was his house, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his house. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, when I when I watched it the first time, it took me a while to realise what had actually happened. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I didn't realise. I, I had a feeling something would go on, but I didn't realise, obviously, it would change. And you soon realise. I mean, it's funny because he goes into this house and uh, it's a, a black family and he goes into the daughter's bedroom. And however, she's been quite promiscuous before and the dad's quite protective. But there's some really, really good lines where the dad runs in, he's got a baseball bat in his hand, and uh, Mighty says, I'm oh, sorry I've made a mistake. He goes, damn right you made oh, a yeah. mistake. He goes, I'm just in the wrong house. Damn right this is the wrong house. It's just brilliant. And again, he's all clumsy and running out of the bedroom. And again, he goes to see Strickland. I love the fact that Strickland's back in this. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and he's in the third one as well, playing pretty much the same character. Mm. But... Yeah, it's a kind of a dramatically changed kind of a, a 1985 where Biff has created the Tanner Museum of Betting, um, where cause he, obviously he went uh, won over a million dollars in a day um, betting on sports and married uh, Lorraine McFly. And then you realise um, that it's the same Leah Thompson, but you realise due to his ego that George McFly is written out of it and uh, all that's left of him is a, a gravestone where he got shot and murdered by uh, it's Biff um, who killed him, which again, it comes out that Marty goes into the hotel and it's, they say smoking, you have to smoke or smoking cigars is, is mandatory in this hotel. And again, you get the same gang of idiots and he, again, you get that classic line, you're safe and sound on the good old 27th floor. And it's Lorraine. And I like the fact that um, Leah Thompson's back in this. I really, really do. I think she's great in this. It is. It is. It is. Um, before we get to Leah Thompson, another bit of foreshadowing to you. When he goes into, I think it's the museum, um, in the museum, it tells the story of uh, of uh, Mad Dog Tannen. Oh, does it really? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a mention did. of him. Yeah, yeah it did, did, yeah. It? Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah, so, his ancestor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I, I, I like it how also we see it in the third one. Obviously, the first one, he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, you're my mum. You're my mum." Kind of, you know, moment. And you've got so. What did he say? Big, huge, or something this time, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yes. He says, "Mum, yeah. you're, you're so, uh, you're so." And he says, "Staring at me, you're so, uh, you're so big." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going go back to what you were just saying, James, about uh, referencing to. Um, um, Buchanan and, and three. So uh, um, one of the things I, I, I think I can't remember if I read it or I saw it on the a documentary, but um, so they had the, the, they had the story for, for, for Back to the Future 2, but they really wanted to go back to the 1885. They really wanted to go back to the Wild West. Okay. And um, they put everything together. They wrote, they wrote the script and they've like, they got 170, 180 pages of script. Sat down and said, well, what we've got is two films. We've actually got two films here, so they went. They went. So they split it down to them down the middle or whatever, and they said, "Okay, we've got the future, we've got the past, and that's why we've got Back to the Future Two, Back to the Future Three. But they've actually they actually filmed it eleven months back to back, so it was one solid film oh, back okay. to back from um, for eleven months. So which is why there are you've got the the consistencies of the references to three because mm. they'd already planned that out and they were working on it whilst they were filming two. Oh, that's quite good. I like that. Yeah, and it does pay off when you're watching back to back. It really does pay off. It, it, you realise that it's so well written. That the, the yeah. foreshadow is just really, really clever. But you oh, find yeah. out that Biff 
um, who is, again, really abusive physically and verbally towards Lorraine, um, you find out that George was died and he was murdered 12 years ago, 18 years after they first met. Um, and I was quite shocked, again, how just how abusive that Biff is towards Lorraine. I mean, he throws her on the floor. I think, I don't know if I'm right or if it's another film, where he slaps her around the face. I, I just can't remember. But um, it's quite shocking. And when you watch the, the interviews um, with uh, the guy who plays Biff, he's mm. such a nice bloke. And he is. And how, how much he hated doing the, the kind of more physical scenes uh, towards like, Lorraine because it just wasn't in him to do it. It just wasn't natural. Mm. And, and everyone said what a lovely bloke he was. And he was complete opposite of the, the bully and they actually plays in the film, which is really, really nice. The <clears throat> cross is a good guy as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, money off me. Mm, so sorry, Paul, you were saying? No, I just said he had my dinner money off me. Do, do you, <laughs> do you, do you, do, don't you find it really hard to believe, though? I find it really hard to subscribe to. You know, when you see him like um, waxing and polishing the, the car um, before uh, in Back to the Future One, you know, saying, My oh, yeah, car's ready, you know. That he's been, it was a bully in one, he's a bully in two, and he's a bully in three. I find it really hard to su- subscribe the fact that he's he's changed his personality and now he's subservient to everyone, you know. Yeah. Um, he's got this trait throughout the you know the, the the three films, and you know you think is he really being that? Is he really sincere? I don't think he is. No, but it's brilliant because playing young Biff, old Biff, Griff. Um, it, it's Buchanan. just very, yeah, yeah. Buchanan, he's so many characters. He's so good. <laughs> he is very funny. He's very good at doing it. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he is. Um, definitely. And I think I think the bit when you mentioned uh, that he's really abusive to Lorraine, why she puts up with it. I always wondered that, but then when I watched it again recently, it brought me back to the thing that he th- when she threatens to leave, um, he threatens to cut off all her children and stuff. You know, mm. which is why yeah. I think then obviously she decides to stay. And obviously the abusive relationship. She, in a, she thinks she's doing the right thing for her children because she doesn't want to let them down. If that makes any sense. Mm. Yeah. 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 And they soon realise that um, that Biff took the time machine uh, back to nine. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five, wasn't it? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. And uh, that, that's when they kind of hatched their plan to of what they've got to do really. And they need to change time. And mm. he says the best way of actually doing it is by confronting him. And again, when he sits down, he says to him, yeah, I went back and he explains the whole story. And he's, and I like the fact he says, I was warned that if someone comes back and starts asking questions, that they need to die. Mm. And I like that. <clears throat> he goes from nice guy to evil like in a flick of a second and he's believable both of them but um the biff guy the biff a caricature yeah and I, and I like the fact that he does then try to kill marty who then kind of gets away marty quite cleverly which we find out later takes obviously the uh cigarette and everything doesn't he cigarette uh not cigarette lighter. the matchbook the matchbook yeah, the matchbook, yeah. honestly he couldn't work out why he did that and um, obviously yeah but he always like, does that doesn't he? he always takes something away with him that's um has got some kind of reference, to it, and you look at it, and like the photograph of his of his family, his, his, his siblings, he had, he had that on him for some other reason. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, 
And I'm glad when they travelled back to 1955 um, that they left Jennifer on her own porch. And they do explain that it doesn't matter that she's left there, A, because she's pointless to the story, and B, if they are successful, she won't know anyway. She wouldn't know it. Yeah. Yeah, and thank God, because she, I think the film would have been a lot tougher if she would have been in there. You would have been carried the whole film, wouldn't you? Her acting was shocking, I thought. <laughs> Not a fan, Stu. <laughs> I, I <laughs> and in Cocktail, yeah. she's amazing. And in Curb Your Enthusiasm, she's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I really do like her. But just in this film, I, I just like to see what Doc's doing, what Marty's doing. I know. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, it's not a fault, is it? It's just she was superfluous to the story. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> definitely. As you say, it's, uh, yeah, it's not her fault at all. But um, so when they go back, um, they, is it that they arrive and then they see. Yeah, they arrive and they see old Biff giving young Biff the almanac, don't they? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Marty does, doesn't he? He sees it. Um, he's in the Buick. Was it a Buick? Is it is it a car? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> old Biff, old Biff in the alternate eighty-five tells him the story, doesn't he? And then that's how he finds mm. out that at some point around <clears throat> that day, and Doc's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing, isn't it?" When they when they when they both been because Doc's obviously been. Um, oh, he's been uh, sectioned, hasn't he? Yeah, they take him to insane asylum, don't they? Mm. And then, yeah, yeah. That's when uh, Marty jumps in the back of Biff's car, um, and he goes back to his house to try and get the almanac because he's got it on him there. Um, yeah. And the story kind of moves pretty fast, and they've got their walkie-talkies and that, so they, they talk to each other so that they know what's actually happening. So now. Yeah, go for it, Paul. No, sorry, mate. I just, I just that's the point where I find it really hard to believe because um, I think you come from the same generation as me. Well. I know you do. You're 45 like me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> same generation where, where age. I'm, so, I'm so sorry, old boy. Right. So um, yeah, we, we've all been there. We we went to Tandy or re, you know, to buy the realistic or the the um, the, the, the walkie talkies, and you probably got about 50 yards on the walkie-talkies. And these guys... Someone's baby. <laughs> <laughs> the walkie-talkies on this, they're miles away, and they're still, they're still chatting, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, for me, I know it's a minor point, and it's just a technical thing, but, so, uh, yeah. Maybe they they're walkie-talkies from 2015. No, they weren't, because I, you you, I, I looked them up, but you can buy them on eBay. I do, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue them yeah, they're, they're actually advertising them on eBay like two hundred fifty pounds, like oh crop from Back to the Future. They're not obviously from the future, from the, the film, but yeah, yeah. Oh wow, yeah, because he follows him, doesn't he? And, <laughs> and obviously, in the future Biff's like, you know, what are you doing in my car, butthead? And he goes, hey, butthead. I like, you know, they're both calling each other butthead, which was mm. good. And how do you know to start my car? Because obviously, continuity just got the car back from the uh, manure gate, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he, indeed. Yeah. And he wasn't going to pay him the three hundred dollars, and then he explains to him about the uh, you know the almanac. He doesn't believe him, but he plays the radio, um, you know, and uh, obviously <laughs> pro- pro- proves it true. And what I did like about that, but as as we're going away, 
um, he he went right. Um, also, I need to tell you, if a young man and a doc or an old man or whatever comes to you know, and he, which I like, then they they kept the continuity, there, haven't they? And he's walking away. You you hear him start to have that conversation as Marty's then locked in the garage, and as you mentioned, the uh, the the fail gate with the with the walkie talkies. Yeah, did you, know, did you know that it was needles that? Um, sorry, Stu, it was needles oh. that actually fixed the car. Oh, oh was it? Yeah, it was it was needles. Well, whoever's needles' um, ancestor was, but yeah, it was needles. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Flea that. is his name. Is yeah, Flea. Oh, I didn't realise yeah. that. Mm. So, from Biff's house, they then drive um, to the dance, and that's when he hit the uh, Enchantment Under the Sea dance. Um, and this is where you see a lot more of number one comes back into it, but you're seeing number one from a different angle. I love that. Um, and I initially Brilliant. see the the parking up um, sequence with uh, Lorraine and Marty from the start of it, and mm. which I like this. I thought it was really really clever, and um, probably hasn't been done before. Before it was actually happened in this film, mm. it's quite an original idea. I can't think of anything else where they've re or remade the film from a different angle mm. and that to actually reenact a lot of the scenes from the first one such as the guitar playing and mm. it was really really well done and as you said Paul it's the dress as well that took for Lorraine to wear a dress there were three of them and mm. she kept one herself and she wore that dress and a lot of the other people they couldn't find the same clothes they were wearing so mm. they, they lost kind of continuity but to actually reenact the whole scene from the first film, A, it must have added a hell of a lot of pressure, and B, to go to that much effort for the film, uh, it's really, really commendable because it's all proper practical effects, isn't it? Yeah. I thought, I was, I was telling Stu Paul the other day, when I, when I was double-checking that today was good, to, to record it, I think that they should have had it as a special feature where uh, using obviously today's special effects where now if you watch the first one, maybe an extended edition, they actually put in Marty in the background from the second one. If you look out and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I'd love yeah, that. Yeah, I'd yeah. love that. Yeah. That um, would be really, really good, wouldn't it? Uh, I'd yeah. like that. That would have been, and, and what, and I think one of the reasons why I like number two so much is the way it ties in so much with number one, especially when you get to this bit. Um, and, and, and the way, that ironic, in like a kind of like weird twist that Marty saves himself even more. For example, with Needles and the gang, when he's obviously playing, you know, playing the guitar and they're about to jump him and he obviously drops it. He drops the, um, you know, you know, I don't know the what weight. they are. The weight. Yeah, they're probably. just like this bag of weights, aren't they? That, that, yeah, that's, that, I've looked at that because you, you know when you can see that they're in, they're in the kitchen and they've got mm. different Michael J. Fox playing the different, different parts and that. I've looked at that several times to see how they've done that and I, I can guess how they've done it but it's so well done you just know it's absolutely seamless when he's watching himself but he's kind of admiring himself play going oh yeah I'm pretty good yeah you know yeah. And, it, and he's yeah. you know he's walking past him so he's on the stage but he's walking past him to go up the ladder uh, to get onto the thing and he's looking down and I just think it's just like looking back to the 80s like we, we take this stuff for granted now but when you when you watched it at the cinema you know it knocked you out mm. the, just just seeing that and thinking how the hell did they do this yeah, it's a really great, fun, original idea, isn't it? That, that still now holds up, I think. Mm. Um, so the, the whole idea is that he needs to grab the almanac and he tries to do that from where uh, George knocks him out and he's flat on the floor and he makes out that he's trying to kind of give him recess and uh, bring him round. And he believes yeah. what he's got is the book and he runs off with it, but it turns out what he's got is a copy of Ooh La La, 
Yes. And, Ooh, la, la. and Strickland takes the book from him and brings um, puts it in his office. Mm. Uh, which I completely forgot all about these scenes where Marty's underneath the desk <laughs> and he's trying to nick the book and he can't get it. And it's it was quite good. This was one of the actual scenes that I did enjoy. Um, and then he takes the... It was he, he realizes that uh, Biff's still got the book, doesn't he? And that's when he goes into the hall, and you kind of you see again the uh, Johnny B. Good scene, don't you? Where he's climbing, mm. and the whole gang are after him. And, and mm. as you said, Paul, this was flows really, really well, considering it's the remake. Mm. Um, what they've already done, it's really entertaining to see it from another angle. Watching and one of the um, one of the. Well, yeah, with the, one of the uh, uh, making videos, you can Michael J. Fox is on the stage and talking with the producers, saying, "Is this how I did it?" And then they're actually reviewing how he did it and you know what moves he made to try and get it absolutely screen accurate. Oh wow! Yeah, because he's having to redo it, isn't he? Like, yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can't remember. Um, so he, he climbs onto the stage where he just finishes his solo, and how does he end up? Again, because he ends up again in, um, is it in the back of is he in the back of Biff's car because they have that chase sequence through the tunnel. How do they get to that? I can't honestly remember. I mean, I know this film is really, really good, but he hide, really, does he hide in he hides in Biff's car, doesn't he? Because Biff he thinks he's got it. He thinks he has it. Biff beats him up. He's on the floor, um, and then he goes, "Don't you take things from me?" And then Biff gets in his car. So he gets no. knocked by the original Marty, doesn't he? He looks yeah. through the yeah. stage and sees them playing. And Biff, um, one of the them door. runs out, which must be the one who's going to meet the dock in um, mm. the town square. Yeah. And doing so, knocks out the yeah. new Marty, who's time yeah. trapped. Because he says, cause he says you, you stole my book too? Yeah. yeah. He, he says, so he, he, he said, yeah, so um, he's at the door and he's, he calls him chicken, I think. And he's yeah, he's he, about yeah. he's about to walk away. No, he's about to walk away. And he says, "What are you chicken?" And he said, "Nobody calls me." Chicken. Oh yeah. as far as chicken, yeah. <laughs> the door in his face. It does, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. So <laughs> he's, he's on now, the floor. He's on the floor. The and he went, "What? There's two of them." And he takes the almanac. Yeah, he used, you steal my stuff too. He kicked him in the ribs. Gets in his car, and I think he get he comes round and tells the doc on the radio on the on the um walkie talkie that he's failed and the doc picks him up that's right yeah in the car in the delorean and then he said which way did he go and he said he's gone um in the direction of the tunnel and that's where they follow him to the tunnel and he gets the hoverboard out and that's where he gets into the car because yeah. he, he gets the hoverboard out he's alongside the delorean and they and they um follow follow the um biff's car and and the DeLorean backs off and flies away, and he's actually by the side of his car. So that's how he gets there. He does, and and, and he makes various yeah, attempts to try and grab it. Been such a good film. Pardon? I thought you'd be all over this. <laughs> no, I know you're right. Um, and then obviously when he's in the tunnel, he makes various attempts to grab obviously the almanac, which ends up yeah. right on the front of the car. I do like the way he's done it with the little stunt, the the, the flippy thing with the hoverboard. Uh, you know. And that yeah, was really good. Yeah. Biff carries on driving and then stops and then uh, kind of like um, sees Marty's in the middle of the tunnel, isn't he? And then he's like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, 
I like the fact that Biff Biff grabs it and doesn't go after him straight away. Obviously, it's it's, yeah. it's yeah. false. It's <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, isn't it? It's really fake, but it does give some kind of like you know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. It's a slow tension. Yes, like that's the word I was looking for. Staged, <laughs> very staged tension. And then he goes and let's be honest, there's no way, there's no way McFly, Mr. McFly was gonna make it. But then I like it just, just right at the end. Um well um he then um grabs hold of uh grabs hold of the little uh, flag banners, doesn't he? Which obviously Doc yeah. um captures on early, earlier on um during the uh during the film on the on yeah, the DeLorean. That's from the opening of um Oh, they're 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 from the Hill, uh, Lion Estates, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Marty burns the almanac, um, nullifying any changes to the timeline that is caused. You you missed uh, the payoff. You you missed the the uh, um, the oh, uh, yes. manure truck. Oh yes, that's right. Again, again, yeah. covered in shit. Manure. I hate manure. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love that bit. That was good. Yeah. But yeah, so. Conveniently, there's a bucket down by the uh, wherever that's been put there beforehand. There is, uh, and he's got a box of matches. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really convenient. And he burns the almanac um, with the matches that he's picked up, which it, again yeah. into play, which I didn't realise. Um, and in doing so, uh, George McFly is alive because he's yeah. obviously undone everything, is not he? Which... Yeah, look, he looks at the matches. And the, the hotel changed its name. Um, we've yeah. got obviously the storm going, and one uh, one bolt of light nearly hits the hits the DeLorean, almost creating the one point twenty one gigawatts needed for it to travel in time. And we see the time circuit; they're malfunctioning again. They're malfunctioning, and then it says eighteen eighty five, doesn't it on there? Yeah, it's like you, it's like yeah, your your phone reverting back to um, two thousand and one, whatever it used to do. Yeah, but in that in that scene with he's, he's burning the almanac, right? There's just the tiny little touches there where you see the hoverboard next to him but it's completely just it's just sat there but it's just hovering still and it's still making that little like oh, bouncing wow. in the in the wind so it's just perfect how they've still got those little effects mm. going on in the background it's probably some bloke just holding it in the back of it just like bobbing it around but yeah, it's but still good yeah it's good though it looks good and then a western union courier um turns up well this yeah after doc goes yeah, yeah after doc goes yeah. goes back go well, disappeared doesn't he yeah yeah very aggressive I, I didn't know i couldn't remember that he'd the lightning hit him and he vanished. I honestly didn't remember that, and I was quite surprised even now watching it. Um, and I didn't know that the Western Union guy comes up um, and gives a uh, delivers a seventy year old letter to Marty, and it's from Doc who explains that the lightning strike transported him back to eighteen eighty five. Um, again, borrowing the same idea from the first film when he talks about where he'd like to go, and the letters from eighteen eighty five. So, and Marty races into town again. Another crossover. I love that. And it's really, really good. Where uh, yeah, he just disappears, and he's, he's celebrating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marty turns up. Yeah, he says, "I've sent you to the, or I've just sent you to the future." He goes, "Oh, that's where I'm from, the future." I know, and it's, and it's brilliant. Well, and one, well, well, talk about one thing we missed out with the doc was obviously the doc meeting the doc. At one point as well, which was good. Yeah. What are you doing? Weather experiment. I don't think there'll be a storm tonight. And the other one goes, oh, there's going to be a storm. Yeah, yeah. Which is a nice moment. He actually kind of spoke to him because he always went on about never never talking to yourself. You're right. He kind of went against one of his own major rules. Yeah, I thought about that as well. And bearing in mind, they're very quite, they're quite distinctive, aren't they? White hair, hat. Mm. But then, but then the other, but then, well, you say that. 
and yeah, we have established, but we've also established when you see each other, you faint, I guess, and they haven't seen each other. And then the doc cans him look at the correct wrench because obviously he knows he's going to help him out more, which is nice. And then he walks off, and then you got the um the doc from the fifty five making a funny look, saying, "Wait a minute, is that just mm. you know, we, yeah, yeah, as you're talking about, um, you yeah. know, a WTF moment." Um, mm. so yeah, um. And then obviously uh, Doc faints, and that kind of ends the film, though, doesn't it? When Marty runs, Doc's like, ah! makes a silly face, which is very good at. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when they, say they show, well, they, they, they kind of show the next clip of the film um, of the the Wild West after that, don't they? So yeah. you immediately know that there is another one, and this is where it's going to be set, which for me is a relief that. It's not going to be set in 1955. It's not going to be set in 1985 um, until we get to the end. So, yeah, I was absolutely buzzing when I realised that it was in the Wild Wild West with the options they've got. But, mm. yeah. I mean, how, what would you rate this film, Paul, with uh, best bits, worst bits, <laughs> and out of five? What, what's your opinions? Um, <clears throat> out of five, I give it a five. A, I would say uh, my best bit would be I think the best bit would be the hoverboard because when you're, what was it, eight, 89? So what was I, 74, 84, 15 years old? I watched the hoverboard chase thinking that could be me. I love what, you know, just the whole action involved in it. Um, I know you said it was slow. And one, one thing that bothered me about it was that the, uh, the, when they went through the, the wall, the, the, uh, the, the, the courthouse, um, Michael J. Fox went to give the hoverboard back to his the, the little girl, and he said, "It's okay, I've got a pit bull now." And you think, "Well, how did you get that?" Because that was like five seconds ago. That pit bull went through that that um, the courthouse window, and I didn't see you run in there. So she managed to get a pit bull from, from nowhere. But um, they were going to call that Mad Dog, weren't they? That uh, what the what the board were they? Yeah, that's what they were going to call it, Mad Dog. Oh, they should have done because that would have worked well. Yeah, they should have yeah. done. Really good. Um, yeah, the hoverboard chase, the worst bit for me, and the, the bit that I just, every time I see it, and I've seen, what, 30, 40 times now, is probably um, the alternative 1985, when they go back, because you know you've got to go through that rigmarole of that dark area, and yeah, before you get back to the um, the good bit. Yeah, so I think, I think for me it would be the, the yeah, the alternate the biff... Yeah. yeah. What about you? Um, for me, I I'd give it probably um, say three and a half out of five, and or three and a half boarding on a four. I can't make my mind up. But the worst bit again, it's the alternative nineteen eighty five. Mm. Um, it's it, I understand why they did it, and as we explained before, I know there is payoff to number three, um, but it's just so padded out and I didn't get anything personally from it. Mm. And uh, the characters there, I I didn't need to invest in those characters because there wasn't any payoff for me. They weren't going any. So I didn't like that. I didn't like any of the, the Biff world. Um, I think it only got going again when they went to uh, 1955 and I enjoyed the, Everything I think to do with 1955, I thought it was really, really good fun watching the first one again from another angle. 
And mm. I don't know whether I enjoyed watching that or whether it was very um, a clever idea from Gail and um, Zemeckis to to feed off the, the the enjoyment of number one of reliving it, or whether that's what they had actually planned originally, because. Mm. You can't go wrong reliving the good moments and the feel good factor from number one, like Johnny Be Good and get Biff getting knocked out. Mm. Um, so you're onto a winner there. But I really, really enjoyed that. And for me, it, it got going once they were back in uh, good old 1955. What about yourself, Jay? I really liked it. I'm, I, 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 I'd probably give it a four and a half. I was thinking of giving it a four before I watched it, but I really, really enjoyed it. it and out one and two are the ones I always come back to again. Um, I think the way I think for me, and this is, um, I know we haven't spoken about three, but I think you could have rounded number two off quite nicely and not had a, yeah, and to a, a slight different degree and not needed to have a third one. Um, if you wanted to, I, I, I think, um, not to say the third one's bad. Um, I would give it, yeah, just four and a half. The best bit, I think, for me, is going into the is the 2015, going into the future. I love that bit, and that's my favourite part of the film all the time. Um, you know, um, I thought that was amazing. So seeing seeing the future and everything, and even I even liked. I know um, we we talked about the week, but there's a better way of doing the your five bit, etc. But I love going into the house and seeing the family, and I, and, and I and I still enjoy that, even though I think I think as both of you were saying that some of the plot points are still forced. I still love that bit. I completely get going back into the um, to the old 1980s. I, see, I, I probably like that more than you two did. You, you both of you were saying that's the weakest part of the film. Um, uh, and for, for, for me, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, the worst bit for me, I don't really know. Um, I think, I think, I think it, Marty's girlfriend, they didn't really do that, do that much with her. And it's, I think the fact that they wrote themselves into a hole and, and the fact that she was just there as kind of baggage. If you look at it in the grand scheme of things, the only good thing she really does is get us to meet Marty's family from my point of view. Um, but I really like the, I, I, yeah, other than that, I'm, I really, really, I really, really enjoyed all of it. Um, hmm. um, yeah. I'd be interested to see, I mean, have you guys watched number three? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago, yeah. As I mean, yeah. recently, in the last few days. Not yeah. like, no, back to back, a couple of weeks ago I watched it, yeah. Because it'll be interesting to see whether your opinion's changed. Because I enjoyed number three, and I've always said I enjoyed number three, and you both took the piss out of me. But I think you do get a lot more benefit from watching number three after watching number two. Because yeah. I think the foreshadowing, and you realise a lot more, and you kind of it's kind of presented to you and you benefit from it. It's like a nice surprise. You feel you've earned it. you watching <laughs> both the films and you like the Rolls Royce bit at the end of it. Mm. When you finally think this film's going to end, you think that's the Rolls Royce. That's what he done. And you feel like you've discovered it, even though it's mm. given you on a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those moments are really, really good. And I love that when you watch a film, it kind of yeah. gifts as you watch it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned the Rolls Royce bit and the one thing, I don't know whether it's a plot hole, and uh, um, but the, the the one the one thing I didn't get is when Doc goes, oh, this is where all your problems started. And I'd argue, looking at all three films now, his problem started, and his whole family problem started really with that car crash, didn't they? So that's the thing he had to prevent, yeah. Rather than the, I know obviously it was a means to an end, but yeah, yeah. but it, it it just continues to reward you, I find. And I think number three, when I watched it yesterday, I really enjoyed it because of. The 
the investment I've put into number one and number two, mm. and I think it's horrible. And it'd be three, you think that when you watch number three. Three puts everything to bed, doesn't it? Three, yeah. three, three, three rounds of all the corners. Yeah, and I know the main problem is the the love interest for Doc, but for me, yeah. it's I think it's about time that Doc got a character up that that there was that he got someone to be interested in apart from Marty. And well, he does. He there does. was something else that drives him. He does. He I does really foreshadow that, though, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he alludes to that in the second one. He says, you know, uh, and he said uh, about looking to um, explore the other mystery of the universe, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Women. Women. Yeah. See Chris would act more, which is what I liked as well. He gets some kind of screen time without um, big uh, mad. Yeah, Michael J. Fox there and. I really, really like that because you never really see oh, it. Oh, wait, I can't wait to get into that because I, oh, dear, I'm the opposite. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. I, I reckon when you come out of it, you'll be like, Stuart, Jesus, you're, I've seen you're... the light. Uh, <laughs> mate, I, I, I hope you let me, I hope you let me see it. I hope, I hope you do change my mind because for me, this, it's kind of like I've had a really good starter. I've had a, yeah, a fantastic starter, really <laughs> solid, really, really solid. Um, you know, main meal, and then I've got food poisoning. That's how I feel about this, really. <laughs> the, but we'll the see. The tiramisu is just slightly off. Yes, that's sour. No, yes. No taste whatsoever. <laughs> it, it just, I think it's because you don't understand the plot of number three. Probably, <laughs> mate. Probably. You're, 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 you're probably right. I guess, I guess, I mean, Michelle. I spoke to Michelle, my other half, and um, she was saying she, she was saying she likes number three, and uh, she completely agrees with you, and he's better than me now. So there we go. Exactly, exactly. And I would say she's a person with taste, but she's with you, so. <laughs> I'll tell her that. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, she, yeah, I know, I know. Well, there we go, there we go. So, so yeah, that's number one and number two. So, next time it's number three to see what you think. I think that's the first time since The Dark Knight we've done all three in a row. Because we did Star Wars, but they were all bitty, weren't they? They weren't all in a row, I don't think. So. That's right, yeah. We did, we did it kind of bit by bit. So, uh, yeah. I think. Oh, we did Machete and Machete Kills, did we? No, no, we didn't do the secret of Machete. It's just Machete. I double-checked that the other day. Yeah. Well, there you go. We're on a, on virgin territory at the moment. There we go. <clears throat> Next week, we'll be looking at number three, and it'll be really interesting because we're clearly going to get a, a divide between mm. a good bad film and what we enjoyed and what we didn't enjoy. So uh, if you like this, um, leave a review on iTunes. Um, someone left a review. We got a new five-star review last week on iTunes. So if you are listening to us and you did leave that, thank you very much. Um, leave reviews and then we'll go up the charts in iTunes and we'll be accessible to more people. We're on Twitter at the Film Real Cast. Um, we're on Facebook as well, the Film Real Cast. So if you want to watch a film, um, got a request or anything, we don't have adverts, we don't charge money or any of that other crap that other podcasts do. We just want requests and we'll review the film. So, But if you enjoyed this, um, we've got a catalogue of loads of podcasts now. Some really shit films like Street Fighter to good films um, like The Sweeney and Back to the Future 3 coming up. So, <laughs> Snakes wow. on a Plane. Oh, no. We've, do we do that? Yeah, I'm to... Oh God, I'm so I'm so sorry, Paul. You got you had to listen. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I need to watch that. I, so I need, I need to. I've seen the film. I, I want to listen to the podcast. 
Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. We end up talking about my snake more than anything during that part. <laughs> so. Yeah. But thanks for listening, guys. It's been a great talking about this three and a half rated film, and look forward to uh, chatting about it next week. And take care, Mr. Sandman. Bring me a dream. Make her complexion like peaches and cream. Give her two lips like twenty-seventh floor. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make her the cutest.